2: that bad, eh?
3: Very very icy on you. Bone chilling cold hits BC. The best bet is to work a little harder. That always helps me. The usual traffic chaos as the Arctic blast slams the coast. How long it'll last.
4: Frozen out of local shelters.
5: I have two pairs of pants, a couple of sweatshirts, two jackets.
4: When the temperature drops, demand soars without enough space for everyone. And it
5: happened
3: again. Another trucker with a high load drives right into trouble with calls for severe consequences. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
4: Good evening and thanks for joining us and we begin tonight with the dramatic impact of a fast-moving snowstorm and lingering deep freeze settling over our province.
3: Arctic air is bringing bitter cold. The wind chill is only making things more unpleasant out there and the snow has completely disrupted the afternoon rush. We have team coverage for you tonight. Alyssa Thibault, Troy Charles and Richard Zussman are all out in the elements as temperatures plummet. And meteorologist Christy Gordon has more on how things will unfold overnight and into tomorrow morning.
4: And we begin tonight with Troy Charles who is live in Burnaby for us. For the afternoon commute home has not been good for many. It started in the afternoon but many people are still out on the roads.
6: Sophia, nightmare commute indeed here at the Gilmore overpass in Burnaby you can see behind me here heading east on highway when just a sea of red tail as we get in for a bit of a tighter shot as I mentioned heading east traffic at a standstill as well coming west not really much moving in that direction either and it's been like this since about 3 3 30 in the afternoon this weather system hitting right before the end of the workday, really causing major issues on the commute. And it's not just here in Burnaby that's bad. Take a look at the traffic map. You can see many routes around this area. Burnaby, Vancouver, New West, North Vancouver in the red. Congestion across Metro Vancouver. This falling snow making for a terrible afternoon commute across the Lower Mainland spun out commercial trucks, a transit bus and other vehicles bringing traffic to a standstill heading up the cut through North Vancouver and backing up traffic all along Highway 1. This was the scene heading east on Highway 1 through Burnaby. The combination of the heavy, wet snow accumulating on the road and the heavy volume making for a very slow drive. And it was the same story along Hastings through North Burnaby Traffic moving at a crawl with drivers facing limited visibility and snow-covered streets. There, It's just like a lot of cars, man. A lot of cars moving slow. No one has, like, uh, tires on and stuff. What would you tell anybody thinking of heading out right now? Just don't. Just don't
2: stay home.
7: Maybe about from uh, the hill just over where Dairyland is? Yeah. It took me about an hour to get
6: just to here from Dairyland. So it took you
2: an hour to get, like, a kilometre?
6: Yes, exactly. I just turned around and I'm going back to work.
2: Are you? So you're not even going to try going home?
3: Everything's stuck. Everybody's city.
6: A lot of what you're hearing there and seeing is what I witnessed on my commute here from South Canby. A lot of very icy spots around East Vancouver. Any sort of incline just had vehicles uh, skidding off, halting to a stop on the side of the road. So please, please drive with caution. And if you have the choice, if you have the option, stay home tonight. It's highly, highly recommended to avoid these roads. Back to you.
4: All right, Troy, stay safe out there. Troy Charles and Burnaby.
6: A little further down the road from where
3: Troy is, Alyssa Tebow is live in Abbotsford. And Alyssa, no doubt this feels dramatic compared to the balmy winter comparatively that we've had up until now.
8: Uh, Yeah, Chris, dramatic is certainly one word for it. Uh, It's a bit of a different story out here in the Fraser Valley. We haven't seen any snow, but it is very cold, very windy, about minus nine right now. Feels a little bit more like minus 17 with that wind chill. As you can imagine, the roads are just absolutely covered in ice and we are experiencing what is our first real blast of winter. It started early along the coast, powerful winds whipping up big waves around English Bay.
3: I'm quite cold, yeah. (laughs) It's, uh, you know, probably should have put
8: on some more clothes. The high tide peaking at 4.9 meters. I'm running, I'm warm, so it's nice. I just got wet, though, from all the waves. Waves and debris crashing over parts of the Stanley Park seawall. This boat picked up and run onto the sand at Sunset Beach. In East Vancouver, a large branch snapped off a tree near power lines. At one point during the morning, about 5,000 customers lost power right across the Lower Mainland and Vancouver Island. Through the day, temperatures continued to plummet, Arctic air sending the mercury well below zero with the wind chill, making for tough conditions for those working outside.
9: It affects the way things happen here, we can't pour concrete when it's that cold, and so Things are going to get a little bit
8: slower around here. Crews at this construction site doing everything they can to stay warm.
9: Oh, yeah, your hands get really cold. Uh, We wear latex gloves under our already, like, padded gloves because that actually helps big time.
8: By mid-afternoon, the first snowfall of the season. Burnaby Mountain recording blowing snow and some heavy falls seen in other parts of Metro Vancouver, a welcome sight for many after an unusually warm winter. It's awesome, it's finally snowing, there's snow on the mountains, we can go ski. I'm looking forward to getting up Cypress and snowshoeing. But this is just the beginning. More freezing temperatures are expected right through the weekend. I have groceries in the house, uh, we have snow tires on our car.
3: We're just gonna be careful and stay indoors.
8: So here in the Fraser Valley, it's expected to feel around minus 23 tonight with that wind chill. I can tell you the wind here is bitterly cold. I'm actually having a little bit of trouble talking right now. And to echo what, Charles, uh, what Troy Charles was saying earlier, if you don't need to go outside, well, it's probably best not to. Chris.
3: You did very well considering the conditions <laughs> out there, Alyssa. Thanks very much. We appreciate it.
4: And on Vancouver Island, it's a similar story tonight with wind, freezing temperatures and snow falling in some areas. Richard Zussman is live in Victoria uh, where that wind is blowing. Richard.
7: It is. The snow is here as well, Sophie, but it's dramatic how quickly the temperatures have dropped. About 10 degrees they have dropped in the last two hours alone. It's minus 5 now. Feels like minus 11 and it's only going to get worse. (laughs) A splash of cold water may be easy enough to avoid, but cold altogether, that's a different story.
10: Putting on more
7: warm clothes. (laughs) Oh, how are you preparing for it? I listened to her.
10: (laughs) Hoping to keep walking now so that we can, you know, huddle up.
7: Arctic winds arriving Thursday sweeping across the region, bringing with it the first snow on Southern Vancouver Island this
11: season. I love it. I love to see the snow.
7: BC ferries cancelling two sailings Thursday between Swartz Bay and Tuwassen due to wind in Qualicum Beach. This tree and house no match for Mother Nature. BC Hydro dealing with multiple outages across the island impacting more than 4,000 customers and in Victoria the Justice Van Society hitting the road with blankets and jackets to help keep people warm.
12: People in weather like this they live in the moment you know they need the hot chocolate they need the blankets they need the hoodies they need the gloves.
7: Environment Canada has been putting out various weather alerts, expecting these conditions for at least the next 48 hours. And after a record-breaking warm December, this is a chilly blast to the system. We're going to feel this
12: more than we would in a typical January Arctic outbreak because we haven't had...
7: A chance to acclimatize to the cold yet. This is also the first sub-zero temperatures this winter for the capital region. Environment Canada forecasting a high of minus seven by the Victoria airport Friday. We're going to get a big slam of it
12: tonight. Obviously the wind chills are going to be extremely low. We've got arctic outbreaks and extreme cold.
7: And this type of Arctic outbreak, clearly rare here. And we've all seen that test with the hot water and cold weather. Let's see how it goes tonight. Oh, some of it disappeared in the air. Others did not. But by the time it gets freezing cold tomorrow, I think that trick's going to work a little bit better. As for activities, people may have planned for the weekend. Expect a lot of those kids' outdoor activities to be cancelled, including my U9 Bayes United soccer team. We're not playing on Saturday. It's too cold, Sophie.
4: (laughs) Okay, well, you can count on us getting you to recreate that water trick tomorrow. We'll send you out in the cold again, Richard. Thank you. Can't wait.
3: All right, senior meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now with a more detailed look at this cold blast. And, Christy, it's expected to get even colder.
10: Yeah, so we saw the temperature drop throughout the day today as that Arctic blast continued to filter out across the lower mainland. But this is what we're expecting, a drop to minus 12 through the morning hours tomorrow for Metro Vancouver. But as we well know, it's not just the Arctic air, but it's also the winds that impact the region. So these are the potential wind chill values that we're expecting tomorrow morning, anywhere from minus 16 in the lower mainland to minus 25. There's a low risk of frostbite, but there still is a risk of frostbite. So make sure you bundle up. Now in terms of snowfall The snow is starting to ease off across metro vancouver but it's starting to push towards vancouver island those are the areas that will likely be impacted through the evening hours now with this arctic air in place through the weekend any snow or ice will not go anywhere uh, it will stick around that's for sure we're just hoping that the crews of course get out on the roads and help improve the icy conditions as we head into tomorrow morning
3: all right thanks very much christy we'll check in a little later
4: a major power outage in the Okanagan today that may have been weather-related. More than 5,000 customers in Penticton suddenly found found themselves without power. The outage impacting businesses and homes throughout the downtown core and all the way up the Naramata bench.
10: We've been able to uh, work with Fortis BC to trace back the, the source of the problem, which was at the uh, Fortis BC substation, at the Westminster substation. Um, we understand there was some kind of uh, equipment failure there that led to a supply outage, uh, and that is what caused uh, the, the loss in power.
4: And while the outage didn't last very long, the city says it does serve as a warning for residents to be prepared for the cold snap.
3: And with that cold weather upon us, there is, of course, concern about the most vulnerable in our community. The City of Vancouver says that there are more than 1,600 shelter beds, along with spots at warming sites for people experiencing homelessness.
4: Well, advocates say it's never enough. Some of the unhoused actually
1: prefer to stay outside. Kristen Robinson reports.
11: Yeah, we bundled up and we made a little candle.
1: This man, who goes by his street name Munchie, says he and his partner set up a tent on East Hastings on the first night of the cold snap.
11: We have like 15 blankets. Keep us warm. I've been outside a long time. The,
1: mats, the pillows, the blankets. Union Gospel Mission transforms its drop-in center into a 20 mat shelter every night, in addition to its 72 beds upstairs. Staff had to turn away 10 people Wednesday.
9: We were only able to send five of those folks to a different um, shelter for the night because there was not enough space for all 10 of them. It can be pretty tough to, to send somebody back out into the cold, especially when it's dangerously cold.
1: The city of Vancouver currently has 1400 year round shelter beds with 67 temporary winter shelter beds from November to March. During Thursday's below zero temperatures, 172 extra shelter beds will be activated while 7 overnight warming centers will open with a capacity for 146 people. We'll then take care. Aboriginal front door which welcomes couples will have 46 spaces available at its extreme weather shelter.
12: It's just difficult because there's so many people out there. If we had more room, right, we'd be putting more beds up, but we don't have
11: the space and it's getting really really cold out there. We probably will go end up inside the warming centre it's it's going to be minus 12.
1: While Munchie says he may check out the Powell Street getaway, which only saw eight people Wednesday and has space for 25, including staff.
5: I grew up in Montreal where it was minus 30 typically in the winters.
1: Others, like Mario Russo, prefer to camp outside.
5: You have have privacy, you have your own space. I'm in control of everything. Uh, uh, No one can disturb me. I have a lock.
1: Kristen Robinson, Global News. Well, the Massey
3: Tunnel is the latest casualty in a long string of crashes by commercial truck drivers in Metro Vancouver. It had only been eight days since the last public infrastructure was damaged. And as Travis Prasad reports, officials from all levels of government are vowing to find a solution.
5: It's just bordering on the comical
3: now.
11: Almost comical because there's nothing funny about a serious risk to road safety. That's the sound of a truck seemingly with an overheight load scraping the top of the George Massey Tunnel around 8.40 Wednesday night.
13: Sparks and dust and then the truck hit its brakes. It's scary because you don't know what is a tunnel. I was a little scared. What's going to happen? Is it going to fall down?
11: Seconds before hitting the tunnel, it sounds like the southbound truck bangs against an overpass on the north end. Add it to the list of more than 30 commercial vehicle overpass strikes in the last two years.
5: It's like, okay, it's another week, which overpass are we hitting this week? Uh, Just two days after we started the repairs on 17A, just a week after the uh, overpass on 112th Street was hit.
11: In that case, the offending company, Chohan Freight Forwarders, had its safety certificate suspended, grounding its entire fleet in B.C. But it didn't stop a company with the same name from staying on the road in Alberta, prompting the transportation minister to ask his federal counterpart for a centralized cross-province monitoring system.
7: This is something that will be uh, discussed at the transport minister's meeting uh, next month.
11: Overheight vehicle fines went up from $115 to $575 last month. The minister now confirming they could increase further, saying... It's frustrating to see another incident like this involving a commercial vehicle. There is no excuse for this. It has never been easier to follow a route to guide the load to travel safely through our highway system.
13: How important is that job that you're doing to risk other people's lives?
11: The province says there was no significant damage to the tunnel. Richmond RCMP has identified the trailer and are now trying to find out who was behind the wheel. Travis Prasad, Global News.
4: The latest twist in the Surrey policing debacle. New recruits ready to serve and protect for the Surrey Police Service, but the mayor is refusing to pay them in a dispute with the NDP over the transition away from the RCMP. That's next on the news hour.
0: To go in stunning places that where no other humans are, it's it's absolutely very very special.
4: Extreme adventure. Meet the B.C. man paddling into the most remote parts of the world later. Plus.
3: What a way to celebrate a 102nd birthday. The special tribute to a B.C. baseball legend coming up.
4: First, though, it may be a new year, but the ongoing fight between the Surrey Police Service and City Council is once again heating up.
3: The city is refusing to pay the salaries of new recruits. And as Catherine Urquhart reports, the union has had to step in to cut them a check.
14: Next. Training is already underway for Surrey Police Service's 10 newest recruits, seen here out for a run. But while they've been hired and sworn in, the city is refusing to pay them.
5: I think this is another attempt by the mayor to obstruct and sabotage the policing transition.
14: In a highly unusual move, the union has written checks for the recruits so the men and women are not left unpaid. Solicitor General Mike Farnworth called the situation unbelievable.
3: The fact that you have men and women who want to dedicate their lives
14: to that and then the city says, oh, we're not going to pay you? Who does that? In response, the city of Surrey said comment would come from Peter German, their paid advisor, who was a former RCMP
7: officer. The bottom line here is that on uh, December 19th, uh, the city manager of the city of Surrey advised the Surrey Police Service that it was well over budget and it should not be incurring additional
5: costs. It's unfair to put brand new police officers in the crossfire. Denying them pay and benefits is taking it a step too far.
14: Minister Farnworth says the transition will continue and he had this message for Mayor Brunda Locke.
5: It is the law of the
3: province of British Columbia that Surrey will be policed by the Surrey Police Service. It is time to stop this obstructionism and get on with the transition.
13: Catherine Urquhart, Global News.
4: And let's bring in Keith Baldry now for more on this. Keith, the Premier was also weighing in today. What did he have to say about the new hires not being paid?
7: Yeah, this one came right out of left field. I have to say, caught Farnworth and the premier by surprise. You're learning that uh, basically officers are not being paid. So the premier says it's a frustrating situation, but he also takes a bit of a shot at Brenda Locke here over that taxpayer-funded ad campaign against Surrey Police Services. Here's the premier.
2: It's incredibly frustrating. You know, I uh, I understand the desire of the mayor to spend taxpayer money on advertising, on leaflets, on billboards, on lawyers uh, to fight this you know I disagree with it but you know that's her business. Uh, the challenge obviously is uh, these are folks who are uh, willing to go out and do the difficult work of policing in our communities uh, and uh, they need to get paid. Um, they're putting their own personal safety on the line to ensure a safe community. Surrey deserves a safe community. Police officers need to get paid. uh, For Pete's sake, uh, those uh, police officers need to get paid.
7: So again, what happens next? Who knows? I mean, this thing came out of the blue. Presumably there's other things coming out of the blue in this ongoing SAG over who's going to police in Surrey. But again, Mike Farmer, talking to him today, showing no signs of changing the transition. The government's passed the legislation. That's not going to change. And we'll see if Mayor Locke continues to advertise.
4: When you think? We've seen it all in this conflict, but uh, all right. Thanks, Keith.
3: As body-worn cameras are rolled out in police departments across the province, leaders in law enforcement are weighing in on the introduction. As Janet Brown reports, some police chiefs say it's long overdue and should improve transparency in policing.
13: So to, to start the camera, the officer will tap the button twice on the front and then it'll beep, the red light will start flashing, uh, and that's the camera recording. Delta police rolled out 21 body-worn cameras to frontline officers last year, and they'll be deploying 16 more this year. When we tell them that they're being recorded, it it does trigger typically that that thought process that they need to take a breath and and calm down. Sir, what do you think of police wearing body-worn cameras?
11: I think it's uh, a positive thing that they have, like, something like that's closer to on-person
13: evidence. Vancouver Police launched a pilot program this month equipping around 100 frontline officers with the cameras and the RCMP says it expects 10 to 15,000 cameras will be rolled out across the country this year to frontline officers following a second round of field testing. We are looking forward to the implementation of body-worn cameras and believe that this tool will strengthen public trust and confidence and promote
12: appropriate behaviour by public and the police. Cameras help keep them accountable and help determine what actually happened.
6: I think it makes sense for their safety. Um, I, have, I have friends back, back home in, in the police force and it's a pretty taxing job and it can you can get yourself into some pretty dangerous situations. We believe they'll be very useful. Help!
13: The Independent Investigations Office of BC feels all frontline officers in the country should be equipped with body-worn cameras.
7: It gives
12: us objective evidence which helps us see what happened or at the very least can help us corroborate other
2: information that we have.
13: And Premier David Eby is weighing in as well.
2: It has advantages for police, it has advantages for the public, certainly I'm supportive.
13: Police say body-worn camera video will be stored on a provincial system and will be automatically deleted after 13 months unless it is being retained as evidence. Where we can review on the camera and look, been a huge game changer. Janet Brown, Global News.
4: Just ahead, stressed out property owners.
11: At the height of the market, people would have been paying over $400,000 for units like this.
4: Caught up in the crackdown on short-term rentals, condo owners forced to sell at a discount.
11: And the
3: passing of a giant figure in Canadian politics, the lasting legacy of Ed Broadbent. New provincial regulations severely limiting short-term rentals. Many property owners find themselves on the losing end of the law.
4: They're trying to unload properties they can no longer list on Airbnb and VRBO, leading to a fire sale of sorts in the condo market. Kylie Stanton reports.
11: We're gonna go have a look at this uh, micro suite here. This unit's 240 square feet.
9: The living room and kitchen.
11: This is your fridge.
9: Even the bedroom are all within arm's reach. Units like this one are beginning to flood Victoria's real estate market. The problem? No one seems to want them.
11: Right now at the Janion there haven't been any, uh, any sales here uh, since the ban was announced.
9: On May 1st, the BC government's crackdown on short-term rentals comes into effect. The goal? To return these suites to the long-term rental market. and The clock is ticking.
11: Property owners are definitely stressed. Do you rent out long-term? Do you try and sell it?
9: But in cases like this, where there is no parking and the space isn't necessarily conducive to a long-term stay, that's proving to be easier said than done. Back in June, before the new rules were announced, a unit in the Janion sold for $450,000. But since the legislation passed, a similar unit in a neighboring building has been the only deal closed. It was listed for $467,000 and went for well under at just 300,000, and it's not just the property owners who are taking the hit.
13: So I've already had 40% of my clients drop out, sadly, and those places are either for sale or they're sitting idle.
2: So we're seeing job losses out of this. Now, I thought we were supposed to be creating jobs and creating homes, it seems like we're doing the opposite.
9: But according to the Ministry of Housing, it's already seeing reports of former short-term rentals coming back to the long-term housing market. The Premier adding none of this should come as a surprise.
2: Our government has been pretty frank with British Columbians since election uh, that we uh, have limited tolerance for people who are using our housing market as an investment vehicle instead of as a place to live. This is the bathroom. But
9: given the trend here, this particular suite won't be hitting the rental or real estate market. Instead, it will be used for friends and family if and when needed. Kylie Stanton, Global News,
4: Victoria. A giant of federal politics has died. Ed Broadbent has passed away at the age of 87. The Broadbent Institute, the influential left of centre think tank he founded more than a decade ago, released a statement today announcing his death. Broadbent, who was born in Oshawa, led the NDP from 1975 to 1989 and returned to parliament in 2004 as an MP for the riding of Ottawa Centre. He was an extremely popular figure, leading the party through four elections and often outpolling his party by a large margin. Tributes have been pouring in all day, including from current NDP leader Jagmeet Singh, who called Broadbent a lifelong champion of our movement and our party.
3: Coming up, new evidence, safe supply, save lives. It's a significant reduction in death. A new study shows the program's immediate success, but lots of lingering questions about its long term effectiveness. Next.
4: Also ahead, raccoons can be mischievous creatures, but a shocking case of alleged cruelty against them in mission is now the subject of an investigation. An investigation is underway into a troubling incident in the Fraser Valley, where a number of animals were found suffering in leg hold traps.
3: As Paul Johnson reports, the case has prompted an animal rights group to renew calls for a complete overhaul of our province's trapping regulations.
15: When the animal steps on the pan in the center, these two jaws come together with crushing force. Um, to restrain that wild animal.
12: Leslie Fox shows us the kind of leg hold trap that can be legally bought and used in Canada. She says the question is whether they should even be used at all.
15: There were neighbours and reports of people hearing screaming uh, coming from a
12: backyard. Fox says that screaming was what residents in this Mission neighbourhood heard in late November after a resident here allegedly set out leg hold traps that caught three raccoons. Fox says those animals were taken to Critter Care Wildlife Society. One of them survived, but the other two had such bad injuries from the traps they had to be put down. Fox says at least 10 traps were found in the property. Raccoons are common in most parts of B.C. and are highly intelligent social animals. And like all forms of wildlife, an encounter with a leg hold trap most likely means significant pain and suffering, both from the point of contact with the trap and how a wild animal reacts to being caught in it.
15: They try to run, they they try to shake off the trap, they do circles, they twist, they turn, they gnaw at their limb. Sometimes they try to wring off their leg, they break teeth. Um, it's very dramatic.
12: A spokesperson for the BC Conservation Officers Service confirmed they are aware of and investigating the alleged unlawful trapping of a raccoon. Fox encourages anyone who feels they have a raccoon pest problem to hire a professional and not set up a DIY trap line.
15: Non-lethal options are available. There's no need to be using leg hold
4: traps, particularly in an urban environment.
12: In Mission, Paul Johnson, Global News.
4: A new report says BC's safe supply program for drug users is saving lives, at least in the short term. But as Erin MacArthur reports, critics say there are a lot of gaps in the report and a lot of issues it doesn't deal with.
5: Seven years into a public health crisis, the poison drug supply has killed more than 13,000 people. A new study by BC researchers says prescribed opioids is saving lives. In
14: our context here in BC, we're losing seven people per day due to overdose. And so in that context, it's quite a a significant finding.
5: The research looked at more than 5,000 people with substance use disorder, finding that people who were prescribed opioids under the risk mitigation guide developed during the pandemic were 61% less likely to die in that week compared to a control group. If their doctor prescribed more than four days worth of opioids, the patient was 91% less likely to die. Critics say the research draws the wrong conclusions, arguing it's the visit to the doctor that's key here. Being connected with the healthcare system implies a level of stability that leads to the better outcomes.
2: Receiving medications is likely, partially an indication that they're doing relatively well. They're able to, you know, get somewhere and and receive uh, a drug. And that in turn might reflect a lower likelihood of dying.
5: The lead researcher counters that the outcomes here are based on the prescriptions themselves. The peer-reviewed paper controlled for factors such as social connection and physician intervention. Critics also point to a lack of information on how often patients actually take their prescribed medicine. Drug diversion, well documented on the streets. People trading or selling their prescriptions for stronger, more dangerous drugs.
1: When we talk about risk mitigation and harm reduction, look, we really need to start expanding our definitions of what that means. Not only, obviously, we want to save lives and we want to look at the risk of harm to the individual drug user, but harm reduction and risk mitigation has to include the entire community.
5: BC is expected to release a record number of overdose deaths when the data from 2023 is finalized. Aaron Macarthur, Global News.
3: Coming up a journey to the extreme.
0: That is the hardest thing we've done here.
3: <laughs> Why people from around the world hire BC's JF Marlowe to guide them into the wild.
4: And what a birthday gift for a local baseball legend. Why Vancouver declared this a Sahi Day
3: quick update on the afternoon rush which normally would be over by now but it's chaos out there caused by the snow.
4: Troy Charles is live in Burnaby. Troy we spoke with you earlier things were still pretty bad uh, off the top of the news hour tonight. How's it looking right now?
6: Sophie it's pretty much more the same as when we spoke earlier here at the Gilmore overpass. As you can see behind me here on Highway 1 heading east still a sea of red taillights standstill traffic moving very slowly heading in that direction in Burnie but you can see on the other direction heading west that is moving freely now which has changed since when we spoke earlier so westbound on highway 1 towards Vancouver moving freely eastbound you're still not going anywhere and now as we can take a look at the traffic map still a lot of congestion around Metro Vancouver, New West, Burnaby, Vancouver and North Vancouver. And we're following a a new incident coming out of Richmond. We have Richmond RCMP reporting a multi-vehicle accident. 17 vehicles involved. RCMP are attributing that to the icy conditions. Thankfully, they are reporting no injuries. But I can repeat, seventeen car incident in richmond we have a camera on the way we'll be following that very closely and i'll be coming up again on bc1 at 8 and later at 11 i'll be following all the happenings tonight as we try to get a grasp on everything that's going on on this uh, not so nice commute on this thursday night
4: that is an understatement troy thank you and yes as troy mentioned uh jordan armstrong and troy charles and the team will keep you updated on bc1 uh, throughout the evening and at 11 as well.
3: Sure will. And Christy's here with uh, another update on what's happening in the weather and when this is expected to warm up a little bit.
10: Thanks so much. Yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit more about the snow, ice, what we're expecting tomorrow. I just want to quickly touch on the interior. We haven't really spoken about that. Very cold in the interior with a strong northerly flow. These are the wind chills. So Williams Lake already with a wind chill at minus 43, Kelowna's 33. And we're already at minus 10 in Metro Vancouver, and it's going to get even colder. These are the potential wind chills that we could see overnight. So we're talking about close to minus 50 and um, for the south coast away from the water minus 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 25 is not out of the question, minus 30 up towards Whistler. So there is a risk of frostbite across the south coast, but it's a low risk, but definitely something to consider. And certainly if you're in those northern regions, the potential for your skin to freeze is within two to five minutes. Now, the Arctic outflow will be strongest tonight and tomorrow across the region, and that is what is making it feel so cold and kicking up the flurries across Vancouver Island, which will continue through that east coast of Vancouver Island as we head into the overnight period. But otherwise, for your day on Friday, cold but clear across the region. And so any of the ice and uh, snow that's on, say, sidewalks and things like that, that will stick around right through the weekend. We are not expecting to climb up and above the freezing mark until next week. However, we, of course, hope that the crews will be able to get out on the roads and improve the icy conditions. So, yes, a bit of an improvement next week, but it will be a slow climb out of that. Tonight's central windows weather window is coming to you from Maple Ridge. This is Hare ice, which is uh, perfect conditions right now that we're seeing. So if you're going for a walk tomorrow morning, have a look for this. It's moisture inside old dead logs that it gets pushed out as the air freezes. Back to you two.
4: Such an interesting sight. Thanks, Christy. Mm -hmm. A special tribute for a legendary Vancouver baseball team today. The city has declared today Vancouver Asahi Day as one of its star players celebrates his 102nd birthday.
3: That is Kai Kamanishi. He was a third baseman for the team that played its home games at the Powell Street Grounds between 1914 and 1941, winning many league championships. But during World War II, the Canadian government confiscated the properties of South Coast residents of Japanese descent and moved them to internment camps in the BC interior. And it's something that, you know, as Canadians, Uh, We're not proud of, um, but we learned from that. Kamanishi said he was humbled by today's honor. And when asked who his favorite player is right now, not surprisingly, he named Japanese star Shohei Ohtani, who just signed a record-setting contract with the L.A. Dodgers, breaking the hearts of Toronto Blue Jays fans everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
4: all right let's bring in squire barnes what do you have what do you have coming up squire he is a great guy and does not live very far from this tv station
15: mm. um, yeah we're going to show you how the canucks just beat the pittsburgh penguins yet again
9: they went on the road wow
4: thank you squire also coming up tonight the king of sea kayaking how oh, he's leading customers into some of the coolest places on earth jordan armstrong now with a look ahead to global news at 11 tonight jordan
2: Sophie, the roads are like a skating rink. Have a look at this new video. This is Fraser and East 20th in Vancouver, throwing ice and drivers without the proper tires and it's a recipe for trouble. Now let's check in with Burnaby. The whole road is just ice. It hasn't been salted. The Royal Oak Hill apparently wasn't shut down soon enough. A number of vehicles have slid and collided. No serious injuries reported, but we have a camera there, and we'll have more at 11. Sophie, back to you. Good luck getting home.
4: Oh, dear. Great. Thanks, Jordan.
3: (laughs) When are we going to learn? All right, a Euclid man has become one of the most sought-after sea kayak instructors in the world.
4: And his unique skills have taken him all around the globe. Jay Durant now with This is BC
0: from some of the most remote spots on the planet. To go in stunning places that where no other humans are, it's it's absolutely very, very special. That is the hardest landing we've done here. <laughs> JF Marlowe is helping to write the book on extreme adventure kayaking. We're the biggest sea kayak guide training uh, provider uh, in the world. Everybody from around the world are coming to do training and also expeditions with us. Dinner,
5: fresh? These
0: are skills he first started to learn on a high school camping trip with a group of friends alone in the Canadian wild. That was so empowering to have that kind of freedom, to have to adapt, improvise and succeed. The skills team are hoping others may follow a similar journey, offering a free training program
2: for students in (laughs) Euclid.
0: Many kids are not academic many kids would be performing better in the wild. Being stars with their peers uh, on expeditions, when taking leadership. While always taking clients to some far more remote locations. Just made
13: that one. Patagonia, Antarctica, South Georgia are some of the amazing destinations
1: that we go to.
0: Uh, it's hard to describe. Uh, it's, it's just so magical. And not many people are, have the chance to go there. You have glaciers, you have uh, icebergs, the massive ice field, the towering mountains. Life is short. You only have one chance on this planet. (laughs) Live your dream, don't dream your life. And these places are great escape. Jay Durant, Global News.
4: If you know someone who has a great story, don't forget to email your ideas to Jay. This is bc at globalnews.ca.
3: All right. Are we going to risk it to drive home? I don't know. We've been talking about it all day. Christy, it's not that Mm -hmm. ice is not going anywhere.
10: No, I mean, certainly the crews need to get out there and get the ice on end. Uh, We're not expecting any more moisture, so that's good news. I do expect a much better uh, drive to work tomorrow morning, although it will be cold.
3: Mm -hmm. Let's hope the gravel trucks are out there. Thanks for watching, everyone. Have a great
4: night. Good night, all.